Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be with you this morning. Praise be to God. Emily Alcrez is here. Good morning, Emily. Morning, Joe. Praise God. Uh, great day. Another opportunity. You know, I, I was just noticing, though, Emily, that uh, a lot of these uh, Catholic news sites seem to be, like, off for the holidays or something. Yeah, I've noticed that, that, too. They're like MIA. We're still here, though. Like, who who takes vacation at Christmas time? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I guess I do, but uh, at any rate, there's st- there's still there's still information to share today. We're gonna have breaking news and stories, and uh, we're gonna have our uh, saint of the day and gospel of the day. Plus, later in this hour, Timothy Flanders uh, from Meaning of Catholic will be on to talk about the conspiracy of the Antichrist and the League of Christendom. Sounds like a uh, DC comic story there, Adrian Fonseca. Did you uh, conspire to make this happen today? I did. Yes, I uh, was speaking with uh, Timothy Flanders. And uh, honestly, I got to listen to his whole series on it, and it was pretty amazing. So I was like, I got to book this guy to talk about this. Yeah, so it has like, it's like 10 hours worth of stuff, and we're going to condense it into 20 minutes. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. So get the cliff notes on the conspiracy of the Antichrist and the League of Christendom today with Timoth- Timothy Flanders later in this hour. Plus, we'll have a What's Concerning Us section uh, in the show today. We're going to be talking about, uh, I think, a continuation, at least I will be, continuation of yesterday's story uh, that broke in the Daily Mail that said over a billion dollars with a B of Vatican money, which means the donated dollars from the faithful all over the world, was sent to Australia over the last six years or so, and nobody knows what happened with it. None of the local clergy there, the bishops, nobody has received a red cent of that money and used it for anything good there. It was used for who knows what. It just, poof, into into oblivion. Nobody knows. Uh, Of course, we've heard the... uh, the accusations that Cardinal Beccio sent millions of dollars to help convict Cardinal Pell. That was uh, breaking, I think it was November or so, or maybe even earlier than that. So we don't know, but this story today is a continuation of that. Pope Francis issues new law reorganizing Vatican finances. So we'll discuss that, plus other stories in the What's Concerning Us. But uh, And if you're able to join us in the next hour, uh, for those that are able to hang out with us for the second hour, we'll be talking with Jason Jones. About uh, he's from the movie to movement, and we'll be talking about the effects of the lockdowns, the stimulus money, and where the pro-life cause st- uh, stands in the end of 2020. All that coming up on today's Catholic Drive Time. Let's begin by praying, as we always do, uniting our intentions together to bring them to Our Lady. Whatever we're facing, whatever our needs are, materially, financially, physically, whatever, spiritually. Uh, let's ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most intimate heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother, to thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. 
A federal appeals court has blocked Governor Cuomo's restrictions on the size of religious gatherings. In a victory for religious freedom in New York, the state's second circuit ordered that the 10 and 25 person caps to worship had to be suspended while the case is pending. According to the Beckett Fund, who also represented the Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, the court's decision effectively means that New York cannot enforce its caps against any house of worship. And since Connecticut is also in the Second Circuit, it means that Connecticut's similar caps on worship are unconstitutional. The Beckett Fund explained this in a tweet on Monday. Eric Rasbach, attorney at the Beckett Fund, said, quote, Under the Second Circuit standard, California would lose immediately. It makes no sense to allow thousands to mob Macy's as they did before and after Christmas while allowing zero worship. No other state has such differential treatment of worship. The House of Representatives voted late on Monday to amend the COVID-19 relief bill to boost direct payments to Americans from $600 to $2,000. A two-thirds majority was required to pass the bill known as the CASH Act. It passed the Democratic Majority House in a 275 to 134 vote. The measure now heads to the Republican Majority Senate for consideration. Senate Democratic leader Charles Schumer of New York said on Monday that he would try to pass the bill on Tuesday. The move comes after President Donald Trump used the Impoundment Control Act of 1974 to increase the stimulant, stimulant payment amount to $2,000 and remove what he called wasteful spending from the relief bill. The battle to defend the dignity of human life continues in Argentina. In a Christmas message, the bishops of Argentina said that instead of attending to the real needs of the people, the government has adopted an incomprehensible urgency with establishing abortion in Argentina. In November, Argentina's President Alberto Fernandez presented the Pregnancy Interruption Project to legalize abortion, and the measure was approved on December 11th. The bishops responded, saying, quote, There are thousands of health and social issues to be resolved all of which require our attention, and instead of addressing these urgent needs, the government has chosen to push the abortion agenda. Pope Francis issued a new law on Monday reorganizing the Vatican's finances. In a document in issued yesterday, the Holy Father transferred financial responsibilities away from the Vatican's scandal-ridden Secretary of State to the administration of the Patrimony of the Apostolic See. The document also set out new regulations for the oversight of Peter's Pence, an annual worldwide collection supporting the Pope's mission. Vatican officials have been forced to deny that money was raised for Peter's Pence was actually used to cover losses on a controversial London property deal overseen by the Secretariat of State. The Vatican press office said in a statement, The Holy Father wishes to proceed to a better organization of the Roman Curia, and to an even more specialized function of the Secretariat of State, which will be able, with greater freedom, to help him and his successors in matters of greater importance for the good of the Church. These are your Monday, Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. St. Thomas Becket, pray for us. Born in 1118 in London, England, he was uh, raised and educated uh, According to the highest standards, I would have argued for the day, University of Paris, Bologna, Italy, Ossery, France, and other places. He studied civil and uh, canon law. He was a soldier, an officer, and he was an archdeacon 
of Canterbury. Now, as an archdeacon, he was, uh, you know, he was, um, uh, he had these orders, but he lived like a, a like a lay person in society. He was nominated as chancellor by King Henry II. But even as chancellor, he practiced secret austerities. But now, in view of the struggle that he was about to embrace, he had to make a very difficult decision because in 1161, Archbishop Theobald of Canterbury died, and Henry II was determined to take possession of, of England in every sense of the word, and to include ecclesiastical matters. And he decided to conspire to have his deacon, the Archdeacon of Canterbury, uh, nominated as as the Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, he was able to get this done, but uh, Thomas Becket didn't want the job because he knew that this would change the nature of his relationship with his friend, Henry II. And did you know that it was common practice in those days that amongst the noble class that uh, the children of uh, noblemen would be raised in someone else's house. And so in this instance, it was Henry III that was raised under uh, Thomas Beckett. So they were very close, this, these two people. But he resisted this job, this appointment as archbishop. He eventually would take it, and he knew uh, that it meant he had to commit himself to the cause of Christ and for the kingdom, even if it meant great difficulties amongst his closest friends, Henry II being among them. So what he did was he he sold all of his property and gave it to the poor, and he was uh, ordained first to the priesthood on just on June 2nd, 1162, and then the next day to uh, become Archbishop of Canterbury, June 3rd, 1162. He immediately began to oppose the king and his interference in ecclesiastical matters, and this created a lot of attention, and to the point where he had to be exiled. He went to France. He lived among the uh, Cistercians for seven years at a monastery there, but Henry Henry II decided to persecute the Cistercians in England, and uh, the Cistercians had to ask him to leave. Uh, he was eventually uh, able to uh, negotiate some sort of peace and come back to England. But as we know from uh, the, the Peter O'Toole movie, have you seen the Peter O'Toole movie? You should see the Peter O'Toole movie of Thomas Beckett. It's quite good. Uh, he was, in fact, murdered by four knights. That famous, uh, that famous line from the movie, is there not someone who can rid me of this troublesome priest? Well, four priests came to Vespers one day there, and uh, as, the, uh, as Thomas Beckett was about to say Vespers, and assaulted him. Uh, quite graphically and uh, quite uh, quite horrifically and martyred him for the cause on 29 December 1170 at the cathedral there in Canterbury. He would be canonized very, very quickly, actually, 1173. So he dies in 70. He's canonized in 73. And at that time, you know, it was not uncommon for a 100 years to pass before such canonizations would take place. But it would be Pope Alexander III that would uh, canonize him as St. Thomas Beckett. St. Thomas Beckett, pray for us. Uh, and your gospel today comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. When the days were completed for the purification, according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate of the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, 
awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A uh, couple of points here on this gospel I think are pretty amazing. Is uh, One, Mary, who is immaculately conceived and never committed a, a sin in her immortal life, um, didn't need anything to be purified from, in fact, according to the early church fathers, but still she submitted herself perfectly to the will of God and in great obedience, just like Jesus did, by the way. You know, I love the arguments when people say Jesus wasn't religious. Nothing further could be true. In fact, Jesus kept the law perfectly, unlike everybody else. Uh, Jesus uh, maintained every single Jewish feast and fast and, and, uh, and, 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 an effort to to do this perfectly, and Our Lady did as well. So even though she had nothing to be purified from, she still submitted herself and went through the process of purification. Uh, also, the two turtle doves. This is uh, an offering of the poor, but you see parallels between uh, uh, Samuel. You might recall in the in the Old Testament the story of Samuel, how his mother uh, and uh, consecrated him to the Lord as a priest. Well, there's parallels here, and also if you go back and look at Exodus thirteen two, uh, where uh, Moses is talking about the firstborn that's uh, consecrated to the Lord. So you see these images, and they're used here in this passage. It seems to indicate that our Lord. Jesus Christ is being offered as a priest to the Lord, which of course we all know that he is a priest in the order of Melchizedek, and uh, he is the true priest of God, and everybody else is able to participate. The the popes, the bishops, you know, the priests, they're able to participate in the priesthood of Christ. And so we see this illusion here. And of course, we all know that with Simeon, there was a great expectation at this time uh, for the coming of the Messiah. We see this actually in uh, wannabe messiahs referenced in the Gospels. I think John references one or two. Uh, you know, even Caiaphas has arguments with the other clergy about uh, wannabe messiahs. The reason why there were so many wannabe messiahs at this time was because they, they were expecting the coming of the Messiah at this time, thanks to many Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah 40, 52, 61, and even Daniel 7 and 9. So lots of foreshadowing going on here, but it's the sword that pierces Mary's heart that reminds us of the coming of the cross. The passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The true offering as priest for the salvation of souls. I guess we're out of time. We'll have to have uh, Adrian's opinion on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. More Drive Time coming up next.
Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Good morning and welcome back to Catholic Drive 10, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, hanging out with Emily Alcarez and Adrian Fonseca this morning. Uh, before we jump into our What's Concerning Us section, uh, Adrian, did you have any uh, input on the gospel today? Uh, yeah, so I was uh, actually focusing on, for the gospel today, the uh, passage uh, talking about the purification of Our Lady. And it really just struck me because really the Christmas season, and uh, you know, this whole thing, uh, I've been just been focusing in on the fact that we're still in Christmas time right now. And uh, the Christmas season technically ends on January 13th, which is the baptism of our Lord. But you can actually celebrate the Christmas the Christmas cycle through Epiphany Tide, which ends, which would be February second, which is the purification of Our Lady and the uh, presentation of the Child Jesus at the Temple. And so, I'm going to keep my Christmas decorations all the way up until then. <laughs> That's uh, what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so and so, I think it's a very important. It's a very important feast day, the Epiphany, um, mm. and the uh, the idea that Our Lady would submit herself. Uh, and because we even look at the future, whenever we see uh, the sacraments being instituted in the church, Our Lady would have been baptized. It mm. would not, have, but it would not be necessary. Just like Our Lord submitted Himself to be baptized by John, uh, yeah. so too Our Lady submitted herself to the purification in order to one not scandalize people, uh, to two in order to submit herself humbly to God, because mm. she recognizes the fact that even she who is perfect without sin without any blemish is still nothing in comparison to the uh, glory of god so i think that's just a beautiful thing to look at praise be to jesus christ by the way really quickly have you seen thomas beck in 1964 peter o'toole yes i've seen it yeah don't ask me ask emily Uh, I'm starting to think, Adrian, you really don't like movies. I actually really hate all the movies in the world. Movies, all, all the movies in the world. I hate them all. You, you don't watch the good ones anyway. Uh, but Emily, you've seen it. Praise oh, God. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Love that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It's a classic. Well, let's jump into our What's Concerning Us section today. Emily, do you have any stories out there that are concerning you? Uh, well, for me, it was the apparently the COVID cases in California have gotten so bad that they're having to treat people in ambulances and gift shops. 
um, it despite California having the strictest restrictions on COVID. Wow. So things are getting pretty bad over there, it seems like. Yeah, it, it, it's similar to the story out of New York earlier this year, right? Uh, when uh, very restrictive yet, there was uh, tons of uh, terrible cases and stories coming out of New York. So let's pray for the folks in California for sure, not only with, uh, with the COVID situation, but also the lockdowns as well. Very precarious 2020. Hopefully 2021 will be a little easier. We'll see. I'm not sure. But uh, for me, what's concerning me is a continuation of the story from yesterday. We saw that uh, there was more than a billion dollars that was sent to Australia from the Vatican finances. And we don't know what it was good for. It didn't get used for anything in particular. It was just evaporated into thin air. More than a billion dollars. Just poof. And nobody knows. The local clergy don't know. They have no idea. They're like, we had no idea of this money. We, we, we didn't receive anything. It wasn't used to care for the, for the homeless or the sick or the poor or, or the migrants or anything else. It was just gone. We have no idea. Of course, we all remember the allegations uh, from a month or two ago of Cardinal Betchew, uh shipping millions of dollars to Australia to help prosecute Cardinal Pell over the last few years. But uh, this is a, a big financial scandal. I mean, more than a billion dollars. Now, today we read, or early afternoon yesterday, we read that Pope Francis issued a new law reorganizing Vatican finances. Right now, I'm looking at a story out of the Catholic News Agency's uh, website documenting this. We'll post links to it, by the way, over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Just look for the live video for today's show, and you can find in the comments section the articles that we discuss. But says Pope Francis issued a new law Monday reorganizing Vatican finances following a series of scandals. In a document issued on December the 28th, the Pope formalized the transfer of financial responsibilities from the Vatican's Secretariat of State to the administration of the patrimony of the Apostolic See, which functions as the Holy See's treasury and sovereign wealth manager. He basically says that uh, he's taking away all of the the assets, the financial assets and control from the Vatican's Secretary of State, Cardinal Petrolin. Well, here's the issue that I have. Someone ships a billion dollars into thin air. There's no receipt. There's no, I mean, the, the authorities in Australia know that this money was shipped there. They have a record of it being shipped. It's once it lands in Australia that it just goes into oblivion. They have no idea what this money went for. A billion dollars of donated, hard-earned money from faithful all over the world is gone. A billion dollars. And um, that's all we're going to do is just reorganize things. Nobody gets fired. No, Imagine if I lost a billion dollars of uh, the Guadalupe Radio Network's hard-earned donated money from listeners. Uh, would I, I'd probably go to prison. Um, not that I'm asking for people to go to prison necessarily, but we have to, we cannot forget the, uh, the virtue of justice. And, uh, and it seems to me like reorganization is a necessary step, but where is the, someone has to account for this. Someone has to stand up and be responsible. If no one's responsible for anything, then all things are possible in, in the realm of crazy. I don't know. What say you, Emily or yeah, Adrian? I would say this is a step in the right direction. I'm glad the Holy Father is addressing particularly Peter's Pence, which my family stopped donating to um, because you know the money wasn't going where we thought it was going. Yeah, uh, it's a step in the right direction, but I want to see more. I want to see, see names and transparency here. Do you think we'll ever get that? 
I'm not no. so sure. I don't think so. But I think we should, as the lady, we should uh, not let this pass by because we're allowing it to happen. I think this is part of the tone, tone deafness that we see out of the hierarchy over the past, I guess, since 2018, starting with the McCarrick, the summer of McCarrick, right, with Vigano and McCarrick in 2018. It seems like we're, they're just not listening. You know, they, there is so many stories that came out from since then where it's like, don't you get this? Listen, the, the, the Vatican-China deal. This is tone deaf. Cardinal Zen is begging the world to listen to the real stories of persecution of the, of the faithful in China. And because there possibly could be money involved, we're just going to pretend like everything is fine, go along to get along. And this has been a real uh, spiritual battle for so many faithful people uh, all over the world. And we see stories of even more people leaving the faith because of all the scandals. It can be very tough. I've been asked recently, how can you be a faithful Catholic knowing that there's all these scandals? Well, I think the answer is we don't abandon Christ because of Judas. We don't abandon Christ because of Peter even. Um, we, you know, Christ did, didn't commit these scandals. It was the faithful, the disciples. And the last time I remember, there was only one disciple at the foot of the cross uh, standing there next to Our Lady and, to, and with some of the other women. It was just John. That was it. So, I don't know, this story really bothers me in so many ways. It's like it's a start, but it's not enough. Adrian, you want to chime in there? Well, I think there's a lot of uh, things going wrong with the in terms of that. But actually, there's another there's a lot of stories that I wanted to talk about in regards to things going on here in the U.S. Uh, one story that stood out to me in particular was that fact that um, there is there's two stories in particular that I wanted to talk about. Uh, one being, and I'll just briefly go over it because I want to talk about a different one, is that in California, they uh, ruled to uh, release thousands of sex offenders in, uh, in California because they passed a law um, releasing nonviolent criminals. And under their laws, the uh, some sex offenders like child pornographers, as long as they didn't commit a violent crime, they can be released on this. So that's one thing that concerned me. But the thing that really concerned me was this small article I saw uh, by the Daily Wire about an elderly man that was beaten to death by an oxygen tank in a hospital room. And he was wow. a the reason why it concerned me so much was because it happened because he was he was Catholic and he started mm. praying, and all of a sudden, his roommate in the hospital got up and beat him to death with an oxygen tank. And immediately, they're like, we have no idea why it happened. Uh, we don't have any motive for it. And immediately, wow. I'm like, this is demonic. This is incredibly, like, like what else could it possibly be? Uh, he starts praying, uh, and all of a sudden, his roommate gets up and beats him to death with an oxygen tank. Like, how does that happen? It's, that's very strange. Very, very strange. Wow. That is insane. I think it, there was also a story similar to that that I saw this morning uh, on Nantucket. I think it was in Nantucket, the Millionaire's Island, as they call it. And uh, they're, they're, t they're diming each other out there. <laughs> they're reporting on, on their neighbors who's not wearing masks, who's wearing masks. They're, they're, all, they're all telling on each other. And I guess it just demonstrates that under these difficult circumstances where people are torn politically and spiritually and and mentally, um, we see how, uh, how, how, we, how society can be broken down fairly easy. 
I think that's part of the reason why our faith has such an important role in our daily lives. And if we, if faith isn't prime in our life, we see that we can be dragged into these very contentious situations, and then all of a sudden. We f- we face a great temptation, a near occasion of sin to violence, and uh, and bad things begin to happen. Road rage, for instance, is a good example <laughs> of that. Uh, so yeah, that's a crazy story. But uh, going back to what you were saying a minute ago, though, the other story: the California Supreme Court rules thousands of sex offenders are eligible for early release. This is a crazy story. So to reduce population in the prison system for for coronavirus, uh, they're trying to release. I think it was, was it half the population? I can't recall. No, like I a, can't remember. It was a major chunk of, of people. In fact, I want to say uh, one of the, uh, the sheriffs out there refused to comply with the order. Um, but now all these sex offenders would be involved. Are people with uh, pornography, like yeah. child pornography? It said uh, or- pimps, people who commit uh, offenses such as pimping, incest, indecent exposure, and possessing child pornography qualify under the early release. That's insane. That is literally insane. I mean, literally insane. I would say demonic. I think we've reached a point where now that the devil has convinced the world that he doesn't exist, he can show himself now, mm-hmm. and people are just uh, blind to it. They don't even know, they don't realize that this is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. right, we just have to remember that we were born for this time. We were born for a time such as this. So the, the most important thing we can do is be sanctified, be holy, grow in virtue, and that's how we can fight the demonic forces. Amen. Yeah. It reminds me of what Father Ripperker said. He said, there's not a demon under every rock, just every other every rock. Other, <laughs> every other rock. <laughs> Patty hanging out with us over on Facebook. Good morning to you, Patty. Morning, Thanks for Patty. hanging out with us. Of course, I've seen also Jesus and uh, Steve over there as well. So God bless you all. Good morning to you. But Patty says, because I asked the question if anybody has seen uh, the 1964 film Thomas Beckett with Peter O'Toole. And uh, Patty says, uh, it's a very good movie. I think Peter O'Toole is the very last movie. His his last movie was For Greater Glory. Uh, Yeah. He played a Catholic priest in the film For Greater Glory. The the Cristeros War in Mexico. Another great film. So highly recommend that too. If you want to hang out with us, you can do that not only across the Guadalupe Radio Network on the radio, on our mobile app as well. Get that on iOS or Android. Uh, but also on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Search for us there at GRN Online. You can comment and be a part of the program, too. Don't go anywhere. More breaking news and our conversation with our guests is coming up next. We'll be right back. If someone asked you to divine love, what would you say? Happy, wonderful feelings? Butterflies? These might describe what love feels like, but none of these are really love. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI says in Deus Caritas Est that love looks to the eternal. Love is indeed ecstasy, not in the sense of a moment of intoxication, but rather as a journey, an ongoing exodus out of the closed, inward-looking self towards its liberation through self-giving. Whoever seeks to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. If we look to Christ as our example of love, we find that love is a gift of oneself for the salvation of the other. It is the continual dying of my selfishness so that I may lead my spouse and my children to heaven. An amazing thing happens when we decide to truly love. By focusing on the salvation of our spouse and children, we find ourselves on the road to heaven as well. Find more at balancedfamiliesministries.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I want a religion that is not so dogmatic? Well, G.K. Chesterton says a religion that is not dogmatic 
is not a religion. A religion means something that commits a man to some doctrine about the universe. Anyone who believes anything is dogmatic. In fact, Chesterton says a teacher who is not dogmatic is not teaching anything. And if you think about it, a doctor who's not dogmatic is not who you want prescribing medicine or performing surgery. An auto mechanic who's not dogmatic is not going to be able to fix your carburetor. We want professionals to have specific training, but specific training means embracing very specific ideas. And yet we want a religion that is not dogmatic, as if standing before God is less important than repairing our car. Want more than a minute? Visit Chesterton.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Uh, before we jump into breaking news and stories, don't forget, you can always catch the podcast of the show at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, not in addition to all of our social platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, you can find us on all of those, either for searching for uh, Catholic Drive Time or GRN Online. And uh, coming up here in just about uh, five minutes from now, we'll be speaking with Timothy Flanders from Meaning of Catholic about the conspiracy of the Antichrist and the League of Christendom. Uh, very fascinating conversations coming up. And if you can hang out with us in the next hour, we'll have our game show. Prizes are involved. Uh, we're very excited about that. Plus, Jason Jones from Movie to Movement will be on to talk about the effect of the lockdowns, stimulus money, and so much more. All of that still to come in Catholic Drive Time. But let's go to Emily Alcaraz with the breaking news first. The state of California officially has the worst coronavirus outbreak in the country, despite also having some of the tightest restrictions. The Los Angeles Times reported that a surge in COVID cases is forcing hospitals to treat patients in ambulances and even gift shops. The state is posting the country's worst COVID-19 numbers, despite a new stay-at-home order that took effect in most of the state in early December. Cell phone data suggests compliance is low, and some have speculated the state's strict restrictions contributed to the winter explosion. The poor example set by many public officials has also hurt compliance. Governor Gavin Newsom and other officials have come under severe criticism for ignoring their own policies. Stay-at-home orders that were issued in November are set to last through the new year in the San Francisco Bay Area. The computer repairman at the center of the Hunter Biden laptop scandal is suing Twitter. John Paul Mac Isaac, the man from Delaware who went public with the sordid contents of Hunter Biden's hard drive, is now suing Twitter for defamation. He claims its content moderation unfairly branded him as a hacker and that he has received personal threats. Isaac is demanding $500 million in damages and a public retraction from the company. A New York City clinic is under investigation for fraudulently acquiring and administering the COVID vaccine. Parcare Community Health Network, with five locations in Brooklyn and one in Manhattan, advertised that it would take Moderna's vaccine avail- it would make Moderna's vaccine available to people in a first-come, first-served basis. On Saturday, New York Health Department Commissioner Howard Zucker announced that Parcare was under criminal investigation over concerns that it may have fraudulently obtained the vaccine and transferred it to facilities in other parts of the state in violation of state guidelines and diverted it to members of the public. Parcare is said to have administered more than 850 initial doses, and one Parcare patient said she was charged $150 for the vaccine. The Chinese journalist who documented the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak has been sentenced to jail. The 37-year-old Zhang Zan 
was found guilty of picking quarrels and provoking trouble, according to one of her defense lawyers, Zhang Kek, who attended her hearing. The offense is commonly used by the Chinese government to target dissidents and human rights activists. Her lawyer, who visited Zhang earlier this month while she was in detention, described on social media that Zhang had been attached to a feeding tube after going on a hunger strike. He said her hands were tied to prevent her from removing the device, and she had become so frail that she attended her own hearing in a wheelchair. The British embassy in Beijing said Zhang's case raises serious concerns about media freedom in China, adding that a British diplomat tried to attend her trial but was not allowed access. The embassy also said that Zhang is one of at least 47 journalists currently in detention in China. The relics of St. Maximilian Kolbe have been installed in the chapel of Polish Parliament. A December 18th press release from the Brit Polish Parliament said that the relics were handed over by the Minister Provincial of the Conventual Franciscans following numerous requests from deputies and senators. The relics were transferred to the Mother of God, Mother of the Church Chapel, which also contains the relics of Polish Pope St. John Paul II and the Italian pediatrician St. Gianna Beretta Mola. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for uh, reading the headline news for us. We'll have more of that in the uh, beginning of the next hour. But joining us by Zoom chat right now is Timothy Flanders from The Meaning of Catholic. And uh, looks like Timothy comes from a pretty eclectic background of Protestantism, Messianic Jew. That's a winner right there. That's a very interesting one. Uh, Eastern Orthodoxy and uh, has joined the church in 2013, has a degree in classical languages from Grand Valley State University, has also done graduate work uh, at the University of Ukraine. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning, brother. How you doing, man? Praise God, I'm alive, and that counts. Now, uh, wh why? The, I'm just curious. Why the University of Ukraine? Oh, there was an online graduate program that I just got introduced to um, that was doing a, a degree in ecumenical studies that was um, taught by many different professors across the globe from different Christian traditions. Um, so it just... It was a connection that I made and just sort of a fortuitous meeting. Um, so nothing in particular. I, and unfortunately, I was never able to finish that degree because I got married and had to make more money. You know, so. <laughs> yes, I do know. I know exactly what you mean. Praise God. Well, we're very glad to have you on today. Uh, one more last question before we jump into our conversation. Uh, midnight mass, early morning mass, what's your preference? Oh, whatever the whatever works for the kids. This year we went to the mass at dawn, so it was a seven a.m. low mass. Uh, very beautiful, those uh, very dark, but all the yeah. lights. So, I, but I, I particularly, if it was for me, I really love the midnight mass because I love the proclamation of Christmas. Yes, I love that little liturgical ditty. Yeah, amen. There's something very beautiful about doing the very first thing you do uh, at midnight, 1201, is to give God uh, what is due to him, which is our, our adoration. So praise God for that. Uh, well, let's talk about the conspiracy of the Antichrist and the League of Christendom. Uh, if, I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't a Catholic, I would say this is probably an upcoming Disney film. I mean, uh, what, what is this, the conspiracy of the Antichrist? Well, it's, it's simply a way to boil down what St. Augustine has already said in the City of God, which is where he divides the world into the City of God and the City of Man, mm -hmm. which is a division that is not fully hashed out into the final judgment, because there can be members of the City of Man within the church. And he defines the City of God as those who love God to the exclusion of self, and the City of Man are, are those who love self to the exclusion of God. Mm -hmm. And 
with that paradigm that he originally introduced, when we look into the scriptures, we can see a very interesting thing happening. So when you look at St. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, uh, when the Magi come to uh, say, you know, we've seen King of the Jews, it says, verse 3, it says, King Herod, hearing this, was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And what's interesting here is that there's all these divisions in, in Judaism at the time. There's the Sadducees, there's the Pharisees, there's the Essenes, there's the Zealots, there's the Herodians, etc., etc. But they're all suddenly united because they see one common threat in Christ. And this is what we mean by the conspiracy of Antichrist. What we mean about it is the, the sort of general definition that we get from St. John, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 22. It says, who is the liar? But he who denieth that Jesus is the Christ, this is Antichrist, who denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. So there's this idea of the Antichrist is coming. There is, a, there is an end-time figure of the Antichrist. And there's also Antichrists that exist today. And mm-hmm. St. John is saying, right in the very beginning, the Antichrist is someone who denies Jesus Christ. And so what we see with the conspiracy of Antichrist is simply a way to... Uh, illustrate what goes on at our Lord's life at his crucifixion, which is where we have all these forces uniting against Christ. Even though they're all divided against each other, you, you not only have these different Jews, but then you also have Judas, who's, who represents the archetype of heretics in the, in the future. And then you also have the, the pagans. You have the Pontius Pilate and, and the Romans. So they all unite against Christ. And they have a conspiracy. And what we mean by that is simply... Uh, to breathe together the same spirit. That's what conspiracy means. Con and spiro, which means spiro means to breathe. Con means with. So we're just breathing the same kind of zeitgeist spirit, which is all against Christ. And their principle is anything but Christ. All they want is anything but Christ. Essentially, this is, have you ever wondered why liberals and Muslims unite today? Mm, well, this is why. Yes. It's because they, their, their principle of unity is anything but Christ. Even mm. though they're, you know, when you look at a liberal, a Marxist, and a Mohammedan, they have very different views on many different things. But yes, they if do. they're united <laughs> against Christ, they will unite. They're, they're willing to put their differences aside to unite against Christ. <laughs> so that's kind of the basics of the conspiracy of Antichrist. Well, I find that really interesting, actually, to uh, the I was listening to your series on it, and um, we have uh, one minute until we go to break, but I definitely want to explore the uh, the how you start tying it in with the with the League of Christendom going in through Acts of the Apostles uh, and leading on to like the most notably like the Christendom in Spain specifically. Um, I think that was a very interesting that I have never really heard before, um, but I definitely want to explore that when we get back from the break. We're going to break in about 30 seconds. Well, we're talking with Timothy Flanders from The Meaning of Catholic about the conspiracy of the Antichrist. I think it's fascinating to have this conversation because uh, more and more we see people talking about the end times, and are we living in the end times, and has the a man of sin uh, come onto the stage, and what will that look like? But I think in getting caught up in conversations like that, we can miss some of the more principled issues of what is, the, uh, as we say, the conspiracy of the Antichrist that's living and breathing every single day that we are having to confront. What does this mean? Well, Timothy Flanders, our guest, is here to discuss that. We'll talk more about that on the other side of this very quick break here on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. So don't go anywhere. More to come. And uh, don't forget, in the next hour, we're going to have a game show. If you can join us, we'd love to teach you a little bit about the faith and possibly give you some prizes. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as, there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So, to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy in healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Captain Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClay, hanging out with Emily Alvarez and Adrian Fonseca as well. Our guest in this segment is Timothy Flanders from The Meaning of Catholic. We've been talking uh, just so briefly about the conspiracy of the Antichrist and the League of Christendom. Uh, Timothy, welcome back. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, and I, I always found this very fascinating, Second Thessalonians, uh, St. Paul talks about the great man of perdition, the great man of sin, and uh, what would need to happen is this great apostasy. And the thought has always occurred to me, what would the world look like? in a great apostasy in order to prepare the way of the Antichrist. It would seem that the world would need to be boiling ever so slowly to get to this point. Uh, maybe you can t talk to that point for a moment in the spirit of the Antichrist and the conspiracy of the Antichrist over the centuries, boiling us to the point where the great man of perdition might step onto the stage. Timothy Flanders? Absolutely. Um, well, the thing to remember, I think, is that our fathers have concluded with the utmost certainty that the end times have been upon them at various points in history. So, for example, when the Mohammedans took, they invaded in the in the uh, you know 700s, they took over much of the Christian world. Everyone was convinced that the Antichrist was here. It was the end times. Um, same thing happened during the Black Death. Mm. Uh, one third of the world was killed by the plague. Uh, everyone was convinced it was the end times. And you know, they would have been, I mean, it was a pretty good bet that it was the end times. But at <laughs> every moment, there was a, a, a man or various saints that stepped up and they pushed back the, anti, the, uh, the Antichrist or the end times, as, as they say. So it's difficult to see that. I think it's easy for us in Euro-America 
to think about the end times happening. But in the past 100 years in Africa, they've experienced a 6,000% increase of Catholic converts. So there's wow. an explosion in Africa while we're having to decline in, in Euro-America. So it's easy to look at that, say the end times. But it, so it's difficult to see that simply because our, our fathers have concluded that many times in history at times mm-hmm. that in some ways seem worse than today uh, because of more widespread bloodshed. Um, but it, it, the difficulty is that uh, our Lord says, you know neither the day nor the hour and you must mm-hmm. be ready and you must be prepared. Think about your death. So it's easy to get caught up in that um, and we should be ready, uh, but we need to be remember that uh, we've concluded that the end times were happening many times before and they haven't happened. Mm. So, uh, Timothy, I wanted to ask about your, your ministry, Meaning of Catholic, because, I mean, that's how you're known everywhere. I know on Twitter your handle is Meaning of Catholic. So could you explain to us why you go by that name and what it means? Yes. Uh, so the, the Meaning of Catholic is referring to the fact that many people use the term Catholic, in my view, uh, incorrectly, um, and it's uh, – it's unfortunate, unfortunate because either they're speaking about something, this is Catholic and it's not even, it's heretical, or they're saying that they're, they're not making a proper distinctions between what the church teaches and what are licit opinions. I think that's a very important distinction that Catholics need to make um, because we get into all these arguments because we, we fail to distinguish that. And there are licit opinions and the things that we can disagree about, and there's things that we can't disagree about within the whole framework of Catholic. So, um, but the other aspect of that is not only truth, but charity, because this is another aspect of Catholicism that is severely lacking, especially when the internet enables us to <laughs> act without charity all the time. <laughs> so the other aspect of that is the importance of charity with truth. Truth with charity, charity with truth, can't have one without the other. You know, it's a fascinating point. One of the things I will often say to folks is the most charitable thing we can do is lead them to truth, because truth is a person. It's Jesus Christ, and uh, and what greater act of charity can there be than than that? Um, but I, let's. I want to talk briefly about uh, Messianic Judaism, which is something you apparently have experienced in your journey to the Catholic faith. Uh, maybe you can describe for our audience what that is, in fact, and uh, and whether or not you think the the Jews are any uh, step closer to accepting Jesus as the Messiah. Timothy Flanders. Well, I can't really speak for all the Jews because there's so many different forms of Jews. And so there's, there, I mean, there's basically three main branches, Orthodox, Refor- uh, Orthodox Reform and uh, Conservative. But there is a group of Messianic Jews. There's both, there's also the Hebrew Catholics who um, are Hebrews, either descent from Hebrews or they live in Israel or sometimes they're Jewish converts. So there has been more talk about Jewish converts. There's more been, been more activity in the past century which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Messianic Judaism as a term typically refers to Protestants, sacramentally Protestant. So they're sacramentally Protestant. They're not confirmed. And they are more or less rabbinic Jews who have accepted Hash- uh, Yeshua Mahamashiach, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah. And so they have various forms of that in, in sort of a Protestant polity, if you will. So there's uh, various congregations who are basically, the church would look at them as Protestant, uh, but they call themselves Messianic Jews. So it's it's a very fractured movement in the same sense as non-denominational Protestantism is fractured. There's just individual congregations that are really a denomination or anything. So um, it's very complex, and um, but essentially it boils down to simply Jews who have accepted Jesus Christ. 
I, my experience of uh, Messianic Jews, they tend to have a lot of tendencies uh, in similarities to uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and, and, and even Mormons in some ways. Uh, do you find, is that true? Do you find that at least in like, uh, not necessarily in all the belief structures, but in like in their very anti-Catholicism, uh, in their apologetic work? Yeah, this is, this is the work of the conspiracy of Antichrist is that there is a, this is something that you see in, in modern rabbinic Judaism, is that there is a, a strong aversion to Christ and the Catholic Church, whether mm-hmm. you are an agnostic Jew or you're a religious Jew. You have sort of have the same aversion, and that's what I would call the conspiracy right there. Um, but yes, I think um, you see this all over through all the different Protestant branches. You see it in the different Jewish, Jewish branches. There is, I mean, I certainly observed when I was involved in the movement a, a strong aversion to Catholic things, certainly. Yeah. Um, so there is a, a, a great sensitivity to that. And to be fair, there is uh, emotional and, and wounds that, that have been passed down through generations of mm. you know, Christians or Catholics who have done wrong to the Jews. And so that, that's been, those are wounds that have been passed down through generations, and, and we need to be sensitive to that. But there is that. There is also that aversion. As, yes, absolutely. Do you think that uh, more and more Jews are are becoming aware of Jesus as the Messiah? I mean, uh, it seems to me uh, last few years I've seen more and more uh, Israelis, in particular, proclaim Jesus as Messiah. Do you think there's an uptick there at all, or is that just because of modern communications means we're seeing more of it? Uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, because there's a tie here to the end times and the Antichrist, right? I mean, the yes. Jews are expected to come back and come into right. the church. Yeah, there is a, a sort of a vague prophecy among the fathers that all the Jews will be saved in the end times. And so this is, I mean, I, I immediately think of St. Vincent Ferrer, who was preaching in <laughs> We the, love that man. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, good, good. Uh, lesser known saint, unfortunately. He needs to yeah, be way unfortunate. Known, so. <laughs> well, we've he got was, two Dominicans uh, you know, in the studio. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was preaching around Europe. Uh, he was speaking in tongues in the sense that he was speaking other languages. Flying. He was raising the dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, he was converting thousands of Jews and Muslims. And yes. so this was uh, a massive movement. So um, do we have anything competitive to that? Not in terms of a saint, I, I, not to my knowledge, uh, but uh, I, yeah, there is, there seems to be more movements. Mm. Uh, you can see it in Alphonse Radisbon, actually in the 19th century, who sure. gets a vision. He's a Jew. He gets a yes. vision of the mother of God, and yeah. he immediately converts, and he founds a congregation to convert Jews. Yeah. And this is right when Jews were, were becoming more and more uh, mobile in society at the time because of uh, Napoleon and etc. But um, there was there has been a, a strong movement beginning in that 19th century towards mm. converting Jews. Uh, today you have uh, Roy Schumann who is yeah a we've interviewed Jew him. who had yeah. yeah he had the same experience a similar experience to Alphonse Radisson he had a vision of the Mother of God he converted mm. uh, so he's leading a ministry so we're certainly seeing a, a certainly a great deal of activity yeah. which is encouraging. Max Kolbe said his very first mass at the spot where Radisbon was uh, converted by Our Lady. So a uh, powerful, uh, powerful uh, witness there. A couple of minutes left in our conversation with Timothy Flanders from The Meaning of Catholic, uh, The Conspiracy of the Antichrist. Now, uh, two minutes left. Timothy, what about the League of Christendom? So how do we put a bow on this conversation? What should our listeners understand and know? 
Yeah, what we what we observe in church history is that against the conspiracy of Antichrist is the League of Christendom. So that that's the term that I use to uh, try to describe it. And the difference, the big difference here is that it unites and then formally proclaims a unifying principle of Jesus Christ. And mm. in Acts chapter 15, there's, there's the first sort of ecumenical council, proto-ecumenical council, where they actually make a decision and they unite and they move forward, which is the difference between that and the conspiracy of Antichrist is that their, their unity is a unity of negation. It's a unity of anything but Christ. And this is something that you see when you compare Catholicism to Protestantism on the one hand or Eastern Orthodoxy on the other. They can divide from us, but they can't unite amongst themselves to try to form some sort of alternative to Catholicism. Oh, wow. That's the difference. And so the conspiracy fails to actually unite around a uniting principle, whereas the League unites around a uniting principle. You have the Council of Trent. So we're going to have to, have to ask you to hold yeah. that because we're out of time. I'm going to send everybody over to your website, Meeting of Catholic, and uh, check out the whole series on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. Meetingofcatholic.com is the website. Timothy Flanders has been our guest. Uh, so in other words, hold fast to Christ. That's the solution to all of our problems. Hold fast to Christ. To Timothy Flanders, thanks for being on today. Thanks very much. All right. God bless you. God love you. That's going to do it for the first hour of uh, Catholic Drive Time. If you can stick around for the next hour, Jason Jones will be our guest in the second hour talking about the effects of the lockdowns, the stimulus money, and where the pro-life cause is in 2020, plus the game show and more. Don't go anywhere. joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all just legend. Is that what the church teaches? Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII in the encyclical Humani Generis states, The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural generation from Adam or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, the church teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39. Therefore, whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, paragraph 375, The Church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here, paragraph 404, by yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how do myths commit personal sins? Adam and Eve's are not myths. 
Genesis does not contain myth or legend. That is church teaching. Challenge anyone who teaches differently to produce their sources from a magisterial document. They can't do it. They can, however, produce countless books and articles by theologians. Not good enough. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program today. I hope your day is going to be peace-filled and awesome. Uh, we're very excited to be uh, on the air this hour. We have a great hour lined up. Emily Alcarez is here. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning. Happy Tuesday and happy fifth day in the octave of Christmas. Fifth day in the octave of Christmas. Praise be to God for that. Of course, Adrian Fonseca's uh, producing the show again today. Good morning, Adrian. Up the morning. You know, I love Christmas time because that means I can eat meat on Fridays. Praise God. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have tamales this Friday, actually. Oh. Two uh, f- meat Fridays. Two Fridays yeah. in a row we could eat meat. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus for that. We just wrapped up a great conversation with Timothy Flanders from The Meaning of Catholic on the Conspiracy of the Antichrist. If you want to hear that conversation, you can always check out the podcast version on on, uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But we also post, uh, Adrian's been very good about posting the individual hours and individual interviews on our YouTube channel. Just check that out. Look for GRN Online. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share while you're there as well. But plus, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram even. You can search for us with Catholic Drive Time or GRN Online. But today, on this hour's show, we're going to have the game shows coming up. An, an awesome little opportunity to learn a little bit about your faith. So you're always going to learn something, have a nice laugh in the process, and prizes are involved. And uh, Emily, to this week's uh, sponsor is a cool one, I think. Really cool one. So our Ladies Armory is giving away a paracord rosary, so they make sturdy hands handcrafted gear for battle-ready Catholics. Um, so you're going to find your men's items here. Really cool hand uh, tie clips, and um, they make stuff like that. So great, great ministry. All right, so that's coming up. Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. Plus, uh, later in the hour, we'll speak with Jason Jones uh, from Movie to Movement. I've had great conversations with him in the past. We'll talk about the effects of the lockdown, stimulus money, and the state of the pro-life movement at the end of 2020. All that coming up this hour. Let's begin with prayer first. Bring your intentions together. I'm praying for our team, our uh, our ministry here, uh, our radio apostolate, and all of you as well. So whatever your needs are, dear listener, your friends, your family members, your financial 
material, physical, or spiritual needs. Let's offer them up. Uh, ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her son that he may draw us so ever more closely to his sacred heart. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. A federal appeals court has blocked Governor Cuomo's restrictions on the size of religious gatherings. In a victory for religious freedom in New York, the state's Second Circuit ordered that the 10 and 25 person caps to worship had to be suspended while the case is pending. According to the Beckett Fund, who also represented the Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, the court's decision effectively means that New York cannot enforce its caps against any house of worship. And since Connecticut is also in the Second Circuit, it means that Connecticut's similar caps on worship are unconstitutional. Eric Rasbach, attorney at the Beckett Fund, said, quote, Under the Second Circuit standard, California would lose immediately. It makes no sense to allow thousands to mob Macy's as they did before and after Christmas while allowing zero worship. No other state has such differential treatment of worship. The House of Representatives voted late on Monday to amend the COVID-19 relief bill to boost direct payments to Americans from $600 to $2,000. A two-thirds majority was required to pass the bill, known as the CASH Act. It passed the Democratic Majority House in a 275 to 135, 134 vote. The measure now heads to the Republican Majority Senate for consideration. Senate Democratic Leader Charles Schumer said on Monday that he would try to pass the bill on Tuesday. The move comes after President Donald Trump used the Impoundment Control Act of 1974 to increase the stimulus payment to $2,000 and to remove what he called wasteful spending from the relief bill. The battle to defend the dignity of human life continues in Argentina. In a Christmas message, the bishops of Argentina said that instead of attending to the real needs of the people, the government has adopted an incomprehensible urgency with establishing abortion in Argentina. In November, their president, Alberto Fernandez, presented the Pregnancy Interruption Project to legalize abortion, and the measure was approved on December 11th. The bishops responded, saying, quote, There are thousands of health and social issues to be resolved, all of which require our attention, and instead of addressing these urgent needs, the government has chosen to push the abortion agenda. Pope Francis issued a new law on Monday reorganizing the Vatican's finances. In a document issued yesterday, the Holy Father transferred financial responsibilities away from the Vatican's scandal-ridden Secretariat of State to the administration of the patrimony of the Apostolic See. The document also set up new regulations for the oversight of Peter's Pence, an annual worldwide collection supporting the Pope's mission. Vatican officials have been forced to deny that money raised for Peter's Pence was used to cover losses on a controversial London property deal overseen by the Secretariat of State. The Vatican Press Office said in a statement, The Holy Father wishes to proceed to a better organization of the Roman Curia and to an even more specialized functioning of the Secretariat of State, which will be able, with greater freedom, to help him and his successors in matters of greater importance for the good of the Church. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. 
praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, Thomas Beckett, pray for us, born in 1118 in London, England. Uh, educated overseas for the most part in, in France and Italy and other places. Um, he was a deacon, so he had minor orders. Uh, a lot of people, I think, have forgotten that part. And as a deacon, he, he quietly, very secretly practiced austerities. Not something he did publicly, he just kept it to himself. But when it was, I think it was 1161 that the Archbishop of Canterbury, Theobald, died. King Henry II, who wanted to take control of all affairs on the island, uh, including ecclesiastical affairs. He did not like, similar to what his ancestor Henry VIII would do 400 years later, Henry II didn't really want Rome telling him what to do so much. So he saw an opportunity here with the death of Theobald. He thought, maybe I can get my chancellor, who was Thomas Beckett, to become the archbishop, and then we'll have control over all affairs, to include ecclesiastical. Well, he was able to get the appointment. However, uh, Thomas Beckett didn't want the job because he knew that the instant this would happen, all bets would be off. His relationship with Henry II would change fundamentally. I mean, Thomas Beckett was raising Henry II's son in his own house, a very common practice of the time. So a lot was going to change if he accepted. Well, after prayer, he finally did accept. And in fact, he needed to be ordained. He was only a deacon. He still had to become a priest, then a bishop. And uh, could you imagine uh, going from going from basic, uh, essentially a, almost a layperson all the way to archbishop in a couple of days? He took all of his property. He sold it. He gave it to the poor. Then on June the 2nd, he was ordained a priest, and then on June the 3rd, the very next day, he was ordained a bishop and appointed as Archbishop of Canterbury. Immediately, the contention began uh, with the king. He did not want to allow the king to just run roughshod over, over ecclesiastical affairs, and they began a very uh, contentious relationship it, to the point where... Thomas Beckett actually had to flee in exile to France. He lived among the Cistercians in an abbey in France for seven years. Uh, King Henry II began to persecute the Cistercians in England, as well as uh, Thomas Beckett's family members. In, it became uh, not a great situation. The Cistercians, under great pressure from their brothers in England, has asked Thomas Beckett to leave their, their monastery, which he did. Eventually, he was able to return to England after negotiations, where he resumed his post as the Archbishop of Canterbury, refusing to crown Henry II, by the way, and refusing and excommunicating other bishops who wanted to. Um, but we all remember from 1964, uh, Thomas Beckett, Peter O'Toole, and that famous line, is there not someone who can rid me of this troublesome priest? Well, whether that was said in reality or something similar to it, either way, four knights came to the call of King Henry II and approached uh, uh, Thomas Beckett on December the 29th, 1170 in the Cathedral of Canterbury and martyred him very graphically, very graphically. He was there to say Vespers and he was vested up. He was ready to go. And then these four knights approached him. And they martyred him for the faith. He died again uh, December the 29th, 1170. He would be canonized only three years later by Pope Alexander III. That itself is a very clear sign of, uh, of how Rome felt about the situation. <laughs> it wasn't good. Now, King Henry II did uh, perform public penance for the death and murder of Thomas Becket, but... St. Thomas Beckett, pray for us. And the gospel comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. 
When the days were completed for the purification, according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it was written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate of the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms, blessed God, saying, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The Gospel of the Lord. Now, um, praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Don't forget the uh, game show is coming up. The phone number to call is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant, possibly win a very cool rosary. 877-757-9424. Real quick, before we go to our break, and then, of course, to the uh, the game show after, uh, Mary is pure. She commits no sin. No, uh, She has no original sin. She is immaculately conceived. She is preserved uh, from all stain of sin throughout her life. She has complete enmity with the devil, as Genesis 3.15 said. She would. Of course, Revelation 12 also uh, makes that very clear to us, in, a, in addition to Luke chapter 1, verse 28 and following. Uh, so we see that Mary lives this wonderful life of uh, without sin, and yet still submits herself to God's will in every way, and performs the purification rites, and, uh, and offers the appropriate uh, sacrifice at the temple, just like our Lord Jesus did throughout his life. Every single Jewish feast day, every single synagogue on Saturday, he was there performing the appropriate uh, rituals and, uh, and adhering to the law perfectly in order to fulfill it, in order to bring about the new law, the new covenant, and we read about in the New Testament that the church is handed on in tradition. So we see that beautiful uh, scene there, but we also see uh, a, a parallels here between the Samuel the prophet and the Old Testament, and we see that Jesus is here being offered up as a priest of God Most High, uh, Exodus 13, 2, Moses speaks about it. So wonderful parallels between the Old and the New Testament here. And then there, of course, this Simeon and this this deep desire for the longing of coming of the Messiah, which they knew that that was the time that it was supposed to happen. Why? Well, Daniel chapter 7 and 9 are good examples of the prophecies that they that they knew, uh, like the back of their hand, uh, Exodus, or rather Isaiah 40, uh, 52 and 61, all prophecies of the coming Messiah. So we see all of these uh, foreshadowings from the Old Testament coming to fruition here in this moment in the offering of our, of our Lord and Savior and uh, the Christ child in the temple. And then, of course, that wonderful phrase, that a sword shall pierce your heart too, Simeon says to Our Lady, referring to the cross, 
that this person, this child, this Messiah would be a contradiction, a sign of the rise and fall of many in Israel, and then a sword would pierce her heart too. Her standing at the foot of the cross, watching her own son die for the sins of all, for mankind, knowing that that was the best and most charitable act that could ever be uh, imparted upon humanity. She watched her own son die so that we might live. It is a powerful passage. Uh, just about a minute left, uh, I guess, before we go to break here. Uh, the phone number to call if you want to be part of the game show is 877-757-9424. Real quick, Adrian, you got any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I have uh, quite a few thoughts, but I'll try to wrap it up real quickly. I gave a different uh, explanation the first hour, but this time I'd want to talk about how the Our Lady of Good Success, uh, I think is very interesting in regard to the purification of Our Lady we read here in Scripture, because... Uh, where you, whenever you see Our Lady Good Success, it's often misconstrued that it, people don't realize that the Our Lady Good Success is actually her full title is Our Lady of the Good Event of the Purification is the actual title of Our Lady Good Success. And why is that? It's because the event of the purification of Our Lady was such an amazing thing because she humbled herself in order to uh, submit herself to something that was unnecessary. She did not need to be purified because she never had a stain, uh, whether it would be a stain of original sin when she was baptized, or in this case, the stain of blood because she did not have uh, the same kind of birth as a normal, a normal woman would. And instead, she had, uh, it said that our Lord passed through her womb like light through glass. Uh, so that's the kind of thing I just want to talk about. But I'm looking at the calls, and right now we don't have a call, which is great for the next caller, because that means our next caller will be our guest. So that's 877-757-9424 to be entered into a chance to win our uh, prize of a beautiful rugged rosary. Uh, not a rugged rosary from the company rugged rosary, paracord but rosary. a paracord, a paracord rosary. rosary from our ladies' armory. <laughs> Which is still amazing, though. As a man, it's I can't tell you how many rosaries I have broken because the uh, the chain or whatever is just not built rugged enough for a man's pocket, you know. So, thanks to Our Lady's Armory for donating very generously a paracord rosary, a beautiful paracord rosary, to a winner this week of our game show. So, all you got to do if you want to be in the game show, you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's that easy. We don't even ask you the questions. You just have to uh, to guess between Emily or Adrian. You get a 50-50 shot at it. Super easy, super fun. You might learn something in the process. All you have to do is, is give us a call. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be our contestant and uh, possibly win this very cool prize from Our Ladies Armory. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the uh, Catholic Trivia Game Show. Best ever on Catholic Radio. 877-757-9424. We're looking forward to taking your call next. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child and wondering what Santa would bring? In many developing countries like Haiti, most children don't make Christmas lists and they don't expect Christmas gifts. Often, every penny their parents earn must go to their basic needs like food, shelter, and water. Now picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift. You can spark that magical moment by sending them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. 
Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome to uh, Fear and Trembling, our fun game show, where you learn a little bit about your faith, and we have a nice little laugh uh, in the process, and you don't even need to know the answers to any of these questions, because we don't ask the caller the questions, no. We ask Emily and Adrian the questions, and uh, one of them will have a right answer, the other will have a wrong answer, the caller will have 15 seconds to decide who they want to go with, and every right answer gets a shot at winning our prize this week. And Emily, who is our sponsor? Our sponsor this week is Our Lady's Armory. They make sturdy, handcrafted rosaries for the battle-ready Catholic. Wow. I like that. The battle-ready Catholic. Nice touch. Praise God. What's the website? Their website is olarmory.com, and you can find lots of great items. They have themed rosaries, which I love, so you can find your favorite saint on there. Wow, praise God. I'm looking at the website right now. OLArmory.com is the website. Very grateful to them. And if you can, drop them a little note. Dear listener, say thank you for sponsoring the uh, Trivia Game Show on Catholic Drive Time. We're so grateful to you. But uh, cool website, OLArmory.com. All right, so let's go to the phones and see who our contestant is. Good morning, Andrea. Thank you for being a part of our program. For having me. Uh, Where are you from, Andrea? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, is there snow in Dallas yet? I've heard that this week there may be possibly some snow on the horizon. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Are you prepared for snow in Dallas, Texas? Is that is that never, something you, you never? never. <laughs> yeah, and Texas with snow and ice is not a good combination. I think most people. Uh, now, Christmas mass. Uh, were you a midnight master, early morning master? What was your mass plans uh, for December the twenty fifth? Yeah, well, I'm still doing um, the video, um, oh. the video online, you know, YouTube stuff. So, did you do I'm it not, at midnight though? No, did you not do at it midnight. <laughs> <laughs> early, early morning mass for Christmas? Pray. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus. Well, praise God. We're so grateful you're on the program today. Are you ready? Do you understand how the game is played, Andrea? I believe so. <laughs> All right. So you're ready to go then. I'm ready to go. All right, here we go. Uh, we're going to start with Emily, as we like to do. Uh, ready for the first question there, Emily? Let's do it. Y- you're ready. You're yep. ready to go. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. All right, here we go. Always ready. To swear falsely or violate an oath is an act of what? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> to swear falsely or violate an oath is an act of what? To violate an oath, like breaking a promise? 
an oath. You swear uh, an oath, like I swore an oath to my to defend the Constitution of my country when I joined the Marine Corps, or to swear falsely, like on trial, or to a friend to swear falsely. To uh, swear falsely or violate an oath is an act of what? I feel like there's a tech- technical term for it, but I'm going to go with betrayal. Betrayal. You're on the board for betrayal. Are you I sure? I can't remember the word for it. Yeah. <laughs> betrayal. All right. Emily's on the board for betrayal. Uh, let's go to Adrian. Adrian, to swear falsely or violate an oath is an act of what? Uh, the To swear falsely or to violate an oath is an act of perjury that we see. So we see that all the time in court. An act of perjury. (laughs) And in private conversations. And in private conversations. And (laughs) and all the time, yeah. (laughs) All right, well, it sounds reasonable, but is it true is the question. So uh, Adrian is on the board for perjury, and Emily is on the board for betrayal. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Andrea, what say you? I say I go with Adrian, perjury. Adrian for perjury. Survey says, congratulations, praise be to Jesus. You've already made it into the uh, coffee cup of divine providence uh, for the rosary. It's a man's rosary, so you you must have a man in your life that that might uh, be able to use such a paracorded rosary, Andrea? I have a good husband, yes, I do. (laughs) Praise be to Jesus. Does he have a good rosary? He does not have a good rosary. <laughs> I will give him the rosary. All right. Well, you have a chance in the coffee cup of divine providence. We'll pull the winner, I think, on Thursday because yes. I think I don't, there's no there's a pre-recorded show on Friday, so the winner will be pulled on Thursday. Now you have two more chances to increase the opportunity here, Andrea. So let's go to Adrian with the next question. Adrian, how many times did Mary appear at the? Uh, at Lourdes, how many apparitions at Lourdes? So this oh is a tough my one. Goodness. This is, you have to be a devotee of Lourdes to know this. Aye, aye. I, we should maybe do a phone of friend. Kind of, like Gabriel is, Castillo would be the guy that I would call. I, that's <laughs> a difficult question. That's a very specific question. It is. Um, I'm going to just uh, throw out a number. I'm going to guess 12 with 12 tribes of Israel. You're going to go go with 12 apparitions at Lourdes. That's your answer. That's my answer. That's what I'm going with. All right. Let's try Emily, see if Emily knows. Emily, how many times did Mary appear in the apparitions at Lourdes? Okay, Andrea, this is your lucky day because I actually have a devotion to Our Lady of Lourdes and St. Bernadette. I love them so much. And I happen to know that the answer to this question is 18. 18. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you sound very confident. I don't, I think she's, I think, I don't think she actually knows. I'm, I'm, I, she's very, <laughs> I'm not sounds very confident. I'm not convinced. Okay, so Emily's on the board for 18. Adrian is on the board for 12. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Andrea, I'm, what say you? I'm gonna go. I go with Emily. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> because she, I'm sorry, Adrian. <laughs> you, you really, you, really, you were convinced by her confident response. I think uh, is she, yes. but is it true? Uh-huh. Is it true? Is the question? Survey says. Congratulations. Yay! Two for two. Congratulations. Yes. All right, here uh, it goes. Your name's 18. going in twice. By the way, I think it was number seven, apparition number seven, our lady just glanced at the demons that were harassing Bernadette, and they flew away because of just the glance of our lady. So uh, beautiful, That's beautiful right. apparitions of our lady of Lourdes. All right, third question. You're doing really well, Andre. You've got two chances in the coffee cup of divine providence now. Third question. Uh, is going to be, uh, I think, a fairly easy one. At least I think so. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, Emily has to say first. What 
Emily, uh, what is the term for two small pieces of woolen cloth with holy pictures on them, which are worn over the shoulders? Well, they don't always have holy pictures on them, but I know the small version that the lady wear can wear is known as a scapular, and I wear one. All right, so you're on the board for scapular then. Yes, I'm going to say it's called a scapular. Okay, all right. Oh, I should Maybe we should add a, a follow-up question to this. But, uh, Adrian, let's see what you have to say. Adrian, what is the term for two small pieces of woolen cloth mm-hmm. with holy pictures on them, which holy are worn over them. the shoulders? Hmm. I'm going to go with... Hmm, that's a tough one. You know, I'm thinking about the, the green badge of Our Lady. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, with, a, with a badge. You're going to go with a badge. Okay. So Adrian is on the board for a a badge, uh, maybe the green badge of Our Lady. And uh, Emily's on the board for scapular. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Andrea, last chance. What do you say? I'm going to go with Emily. Emily with scapular. Emily with scapular. Survey says. Wow. Yes. Perfect yeah. score. Are we making this too easy? I wonder. I, I think I so. I think this is might be. <laughs> Was that a little too easy for you there, Andrea? Should we make them a little harder? What do you say? No, no, no. No. <laughs> no. She wants that rosary. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrea, congratulations. Uh, thank you for being a participant in our game show today. Hopefully you learned a little something along the way, too. But you've got three chances to win the uh, beautiful rosary by Our Ladies Armory. OLArmory.com is their website. They have generously underwritten this week's prize, which is a man's paracord rosary. So, Andrea, stay on the line. We want to get your information. But God bless you, and thank you for being a part of our program today. Thank you. Have a great All right. day. You too, Andrea from Dallas. Have a great day. And don't forget, stick around because we have more breaking news. And Jason Jones is coming up in the interview segment. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Like they do many other Marian dogmas, Protestants reject Mary as the mother of God because they don't think it's scriptural. But if there's any Marian dogma that's biblical, it's Mary the mother of God. Consider Luke 143, where Elizabeth greets Mary as the mother of my Lord. As any Bible student knows, Lord is the title that the Jews used for Yahweh. But Protestants object that Lord can also be used for an earthly ruler. Although this is true, I think the context suggests the divine usage. The three times the word is used before verse 43, verses 28, 32, and 38, and the three times it's used after verse 43, verses 46, 58, and 68, it's used in reference to Almighty God. So does the Bible teach Mary is the mother of God? You bet it does. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so... 
anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Tuesday morning headlines. The state of California officially has the worst coronavirus outbreak in the country, despite also having some of the tightest restrictions. The Los Angeles Times reported that a surge in COVID cases is forcing hospitals to treat patients in ambulances and even gift shops. The state is posting the country's worst COVID-19 numbers, despite a new stay-at-home order that took effect in most of the state in early December. Cell phone data suggests compliance is low, and some have speculated the state's strict restrictions contributed to the winter explosion. The poor example set by many public officials has also hurt compliance. Governor Gavin Newsom and other officials have come under severe criticism for ignoring their own policies. Stay-at-home orders that were issued in November are set to last through the new year in the San Francisco Bay Area. The computer repairman at the center of the Hunter Biden laptop scandal is suing Twitter. John Paul MacIsaac, the man from Delaware who went public with the sordid contents of Hunter Biden's hard drive, is now suing Twitter for defamation. He claims its content moderation unfairly branded him a hacker and that he has received personal threats. Isaac is demanding $500 million in damages and a public retraction from the company. A New York City clinic is under investigation for fraudulently acquiring and administering the COVID vaccine. ParCare Community Health Network, with five locations in Brooklyn and one in Manhattan, advertised that it would make Moderna's vaccine available to people on a first-come, first-served basis. On Saturday, New York Health Department Commissioner Howard Zucker announced that ParCare was under criminal investigation over concerns that it may have fraudulently attained the vaccine and transferred it to facilities in other parts of the state in violation of state guidelines and diverted it to members of the public. ParCare is said to have administered more than 850 initial doses, and one ParCare patient said she was charged $150 for the vaccine. The Chinese journalist who documented the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak has been sentenced to jail. The 37-year-old Zhang Zan was found guilty of picking quarrels and provoking trouble, according to one of her defense lawyers, Zhang Kek, who attended her hearing. The offense is commonly used by the Chinese government to target dissidents and human rights activists. Her lawyer, who visited Zhang earlier this month while she was in detention, described on social media that Zhang had been attached to a feeding tube after going on a hunger strike. He said her hands were tied to prevent her from removing the device and she had become so frail that she attended her own hearing in a wheelchair. The British Embassy in Beijing said Zhang's case raises serious concerns about media freedom in China, adding that a British diplomat tried to attend her trial but was not allowed access. The embassy said that Zhang is one of at least 47 journalists currently in detention in China. The relics of St. Maximilian Kolbe have been installed in the Chapel of Polish Parliament. A December 18th press release from the Polish Parliament said that the relics were handed over by the Minister Provincial of the Conventual Franciscans following numerous requests from deputies and senators. 
the relics were transferred to the Mother of God, Mother of the Church Chapel, which also contains relics of the Polish Pope, St. John Paul II, and the Italian pediatrician, St. Gianna Beretta Mola. These are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Emily, thanks for reading the news for us. Um, a couple of, we're trying to get Jason Jones on the line right now. Um, and so Adrian's working on that. Hopefully we'll have him on at any moment so we can have a conversation with him about the, uh, the effects of the lockdowns. And there's a couple of stories that I would like to talk about that. Uh, but before we do that, let me just re- mention that if you're looking for podcast versions of our website, you can do that online at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. It's a great place to find the podcast version of our website. Plus we post the vi- individual video clips of each hour plus the interview segments all on our youtube channel you can find that at uh, youtube.com forward slash g r n online and while you're there be sure to like and subscribe and uh, hit the bell notification icon you know it's important uh in the digital era that we find ways to overcome the algorithms that don't love our messaging, don't love our 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 work here. It's important for us to uh, to to overcome that. So, how do you do that? Well, I think this illustrates the need for terrestrial radio stations in a digital age. Uh, yeah, I think of Saint Maximilian Kolbe, who in 1939, when the Nazis bombed Warsaw, he had state of the art printing presses. He had his own airport. He uh, he had his own distribution. Uh, uh, facility with uh, newspapers and magazines, his own paper boys, his own kiosks, because the locals wouldn't let him use their kiosks and their paper boys. He had a radio broadcast hour um, that the Nazis basically eventually took away from him. It's important for us as the lay faithful to stay plugged in. And we are trying to use the platforms uh, across social media as best we can, but the censorship has gotten so thick and heavy. The algorithms have become so difficult to overcome uh, that it's important for us to to tell you that uh, we and say, hey, when you have an opportunity to subscribe to channels and to share those with friends and family, please do so. Uh, be sure to be a part of our email list as well. We have text messaging list. You can find all that information over at grnonline.com, grnonline.com. But um, the other thing I want to talk about, Emily, is I'm, we're pretty excited about this. We started this CDT back in, uh, when did we have our first test drive? Was that in October? Yeah, I know we launched on December 9th, but the test drives happened a couple weeks earlier. So we've been putting this show together with a goal in mind, and that is uh, this show is going to become a network or national syndicated program. Uh, It's going to air beyond the realm of the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's going to address sort of the stories of the day and have conversations around those stories. And uh, so I'm very excited to tell you that starting on January the 4th, we're going to be welcoming Stations of the Cross to the Catholic Drive Time family. So we're pretty excited about this. And I highly recommend that you stay plugged in and, again, share this with as widely as possible because there's going to be other radio networks that are going to be on board as well we're pretty excited about that so stations of the cross which you can you can we'll post links to their to their network on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash grn online uh we're talking massachusetts we're talking new york we're talking um 
I think they're a Pennsylvania, and I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, they also have some stations in Ohio as well. So they're coming on board January the 4th. They're going to pick us up in the first hour. And then there, there may be some more news that, that uh, impacts the second hour, which I'm not at liberty yet to say, but there may be some good news coming about the second hour as well in the, in the coming days. Uh, but uh, I don't know, Emily, what do you think uh, so far? How, how are we doing from your perspective? This has been so much fun. I've honestly been having a really great time. And um, I think it's really important to stay on top of the news and, and know what's going on right now because we need to know how we can respond to the situations, be informed Catholics, um, and what we need to do to uh, preserve our faith and to strengthen our families. So I think I think this show is doing a huge service for, for people who um, want to be strengthened in their faith. Now, Ibali, you don't have a background of reading the news. You're not a journalist. You're still you're finishing <laughs> up your, your bachelor's degree in theology from the University of St. Thomas. Uh, what has been uh, your experience so far? I mean, do you ever think the, one day you're going to be you know, reading the news, the breaking stories on, on a live radio show nationally? How has that impacted your life? Oh, it, this, is, this is really exciting for me, actually, because I grew up listening to um, Catholic radio. And so I always like looked up to the, the Catholic radio hosts and it's really incredible now to, I've always wanted to go into Catholic media. I knew I was going to do that. I didn't know how it was going to happen. So to be sitting here right now is really a dream come true for me. I'm very happy. Praise God for that. Um, we're trying to get Jason Jones on the line. Uh, we had him scheduled for today. It's been one of the challenges, I would say, Emily. I know Adrian, our producer, has worked very hard. Uh, some of our guests at this time of day are really hard to to nail down, but there's always seems to be some challenge here or there to to uh, to producing the show uh, flawlessly. But I really feel like the show has come a long way just in the very short time we've been producing this. One of the questions that I think has been coming up is whether or not we should do the game show five days a week or should we shorten the, the amount of times we do the game show on Emily what say you for the game show I mean it really depends on our listeners and what they want I think it's a great opportunity especially um, to learn more about the Catholic faith but also um, to learn more about our sponsors and faithful Catholics who are doing their part to influence the culture through um, you know items that they make that you can fill your home with and and edify your family with uh, so I like the game show. I wonder what our audience has to say about this. Uh, dear listener, if you want to call in and voice your, your opinion on this, on, I'd love to hear that. You can call us right now at 877-757-9424. Adrian is standing by to uh, screen your call. 877-757-9424. What are your thoughts so far of Catholic Drive Time? And in particular, do you think we ought to do the game show five days a week? Or do you think we ought to maybe do that maybe once or twice a week? We're also looking at uh, adding even additional uh, you know, prizes. I know TAN Publishing is one of the, the sponsors, the prizes that are coming up, and they're wanting to do this more frequently. So uh, we'd love to know what your thoughts are, dear listener. Give us a call. Uh, comment right now. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 877-757-9424. We'd love to take your call. Estella on Facebook says she thinks uh, a few days a week would be good. So rather than five, just a few days a week. And of course, Jesus, our buddy, says Game show is fun. Agree with Emily. <laughs> well, <laughs> praise God for he that. He hasn't even but, won uh, a prize yet. <laughs> he hasn't even won a prize. Now, 
you know, our buddy Jesus is fantastic. We should have him as a guest on sometime. He is, he is truly an evangelist. Uh, has such a heart and a zeal for the faith, and and you ought to see his office. It's uh, it's he's got more statuary than a Catholic bookshop. Trust me, uh, <laughs> the guy is fantastic and phenomenal in every sense of the word. And I don't know why the game show music is playing, but. Uh, Adrian is pressing the buttons over there, trying to do this call screening at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Dear listener, if you'd like to be a part of the uh, program, give us a call and let us know what your thoughts are. We'd love to hear that. We're going to go to a short break. We'll come right back and we'll uh, continue our conversation about this new effort called the Catholic Drive Time, what we hope to accomplish and what's coming up in the future, plus a couple of more stories in the headline news that we should be concerned about. All that coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is here where you'll find the best marriage counselor, greatest healer, wisest teacher, and closest friend. It's a place where you'll escape the chaos of the world and find the lasting peace that only comes from God. Jesus is personally waiting to embrace you now with his divine mercy and healing love. Jesus is calling you home to his sacred heart today. I need a mercy. I need a savior. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be hanging out with you. Emily Alcrest here. Adrian Fonseca, I think, is a call screen for us. And if I'm not yes, mistaken... Yes, we have a caller. We ha- uh, who's on the line? Uh, Don Quintero. Don, hey. good morning to you. Praise <laughs> God. Thanks for being a part of our program. God bless you, Don. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I'm a long-time listener, big-time fan, first-time caller. <laughs> wow! Welcome to the I, show. I feel like there should be some sort of sound effect for that for for all of those titles. Yeah. Praise <laughs> be to God. All right, so Don, uh, what do you got for us this morning? What what have been your thoughts so far? Well, I just let you know I, I I don't get a chance to. I'm not up early enough to hear the show all the time. I just happen to be up this morning, and I caught actually both hours. <laughs> and I'm responding to your uh, question about the game show, and I think it's very edifying. I think. Uh, 
Of course I knew what a scapular was, but I didn't know there was 18 visits to Our Lady of Lourdes. So it's very edifying. I think, again, you should do it daily, because if you don't do it daily, then it's like not doing it all, because people don't know what to expect. Yeah. So that's my Amen. Defense. Amen. Praise God, Don. God bless you. Uh, were you a midnight mass, early morning mass? What was your, uh, what was your preference this Christmas? I'm an early vigil. <laughs> you get oh. up early. At 3 a.m., no, 4 a.m. No, no, yeah, like oh, no, dawn? Were you a, a dawn mass kind of a guy? No, like 5 p.m. Christmas Eve kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, that wow. early, huh? That early. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's yeah, one way to look I at that, not, yeah. And, uh, I was very, I was, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask, what parish do you go to? Oh, my, my home my home parish is St. Patrick's, but my adopted home parish is Annunciation Catholic Church, ah. Church of the Annunciation. My favorite parish. So, parish. Absolutely, Praise be to Jesus. absolutely. Well, God love yeah, you, Don. Just, Thank you for that. Okay. just want to remind everyone that if any, any Catholic man over 18, they can join the Knights by going to kfc.org and hit the join button with the promo code McGibby2020 and join absolutely free for an entire year. All right. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Don, God bless you. God love you. And thank you for being a part of our program today. You bet, Joe. Bye, Andrea. Uh, Bye, Emily. Bye. All right, dear listener, if you want to uh, call in and be a part of our program to tell us that you got any comments, feedback, thoughts, uh, what do you think about the game show? Do you think we ought to reduce the quantity down to a couple of days a week or or keep it at five days a week? I'd love to know your thoughts. Give us a call right now and uh, jump on the line at 877-579-424. 877-579-424 is uh, the number to call, 877-757-9424. Um, you know, one of the things I like about this program is the opportunity opportunity to talk about one of my favorite passions, which is the saints of the church, and uh, to share, obviously, reflections on the Holy Gospel. That's a big part of the program that I love the most. It, I th- I'm always blown away by the lives of the saints, and I especially, now this is a, this is a secret thing, please don't tell anybody this, don't share this publicly, I don't want anybody really to know about my hidden agenda here, but uh, I have a hidden agenda. Everyone is, is a pawn in your machine, man. Everybody is a pawn in my machine, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, metaphors. That's right. Uh, I like to share the stories of saints that they probably had never heard of, and I give preference always to the martyrs of the church, generally speaking. I do make exceptions to the rules, and I always uh, I get to be the guy who decides when those exceptions are, are, are going to be uh, used, but I, pr- I always love to share, especially stories of saints they had never heard of. Earlier we were talking to uh, Timothy Flanders from Meaning a Catholic, and he brought up St. Vincent Ferrer. I'm one of and, my you know, favorites. And you study the life of a saint like St. Vincent Ferrer, and you're like, how in the world is it possible that people have never heard of this guy. His life is so incredible. I mean, if I said St. Padre Pio, I bet that the majority of Catholics probably have heard of St. Padre Pio. Would you agree or disagree, Adrian Fonseca? I'm pretty sure that most Catholics have heard of St. Padre Pio, though I have met some that have not. Uh, So it's not universal, but I have never met anyone who, whenever I said St. Vincent Ferrer, was like, oh yeah, St. Vincent Ferrer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And yet, this is a guy who flew. This is a guy who uh, brought people back from the dead. This yeah, is a they, guy... had a, they had a miracle bell that whenever he would show up to town, they would just literally start <laughs> ringing the bell to be like, all right, the miracles are going to be starting. Yeah. 
And it got so obnoxious that his superior prevented him from performing miracles in public at one point. And there's this great story of a construction worker falling from the scaffolding, and Vincent Ferrer commanded him to stay put, and he hovered, levitated in the middle of the air. And he says, I have to go ask permission for my superior. And so he goes and he leaves and talks to his superior. All the while, the crowds are gathering around this man stuck in midair. And uh, he, and he went to speak to his superior and he's like, yeah, the guy fell and you know, I, I stopped him from falling to his death. Can I, can I bring him down? Do I have permission? Do I have your permission to bring him down? And uh, by that point, the superior's like, oh, okay, well, the, the, the cat's out of the bag by this point. You might as well. <laughs> and uh, he comes back and he says, okay, so, you know, uh, Father Spears says, uh, you can come down. And, and he and gently comes to the earth. Well, you I mean, know my favorite these are such fanciful stories. It would be, it's amazing. It amazes me that nobody's ever heard of them. I think Adrian has a story. You know, my favorite miracle from, from St. Vincent Ferrer is actually the miracle of conversions. He's converted so many people. Amen. He uh, converted entire synagogues where they, after he preached, the uh, synagogue literally changed its name and to named after Our Lady. And then he went to a mosque and he uh, converted the entire mosque and they ended up changing like he was preaching on the cross. And so they named the mosque uh, the True Cross and it became a Catholic church and everyone That's converted. Amazing. Wow. So those miracles are the That's real the miracles. That's the old evangelization. <laughs> <laughs> the old evangelization. That's so we right. have another caller on the line. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, God is good. Caller, tell us uh, your name and where you're from. Uh, Jesus Robles. I'm hey, Jesus! <laughs> hey, Jesus, we were just talking bad about you a minute ago over the I, air. Praise I heard be to God. My, e <laughs> my ears were hot, Joe. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, <laughs> you... Uh, I, I, hey, I, uh, Go ahead, Jesus. I, I also love St. Vince Ferrer. You know that, that beautiful miracle of when that that the, the ceiling collapsed on one of those uh, on one of the people that were listening to him because he didn't want to hear any any more from 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 Vince Ferrer, and and then he told him to get up, and and he arose from being dead and and said, uh, "You are the angel of the apocalypse," and then went back and and, and died. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mic drop. I mean. <laughs> How can nobody have heard of this guy? It's so amazing. He had he had permission to uh, preach anywhere. Uh, he, he nobody could stop him or say no to him. He could go all over Europe and preach the the end times. There, <laughs> as a matter of fact, which is why he was the angel of the apocalypse. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, hey, Seuss, you have a statue of Saint Vincent Fair in your uh, office. I do have a statue, and and, and I'm getting another one made uh, from Guanajuato, Mexico, wow. uh, uh, personalized. Uh, it's going to be real cool. So I'm really excited. I also have a uh, first-class relic of San Vicente Ferrer. Oh, my goodness. What? That's so cool. <laughs> Bring it over to the now studio. I, Joe, I learned about St. Vince Ferrer because he said uh, something very emblematic. He said that Jesus was such a good Jew that he must have presented himself first to his mother before, you know, presenting yes. himself to all the other Marys. So that's Amen. how I learned wow. about him, and I just loved him. Yeah, praise God. Now, truth in advertising, you know, when I'm in the studio, I, I'm not in the studio this week, I'm, I'm home on vacation. Um, but when I'm in the studio, when you, and you watch us over the live video stream, over my shoulder, you see a, a statue of the scourged Jesus. 
And uh, that statue belongs to uh, Jesus Robles, and he has generously put – it's on loan to us from Jesus, and it sits over my shoulder in the corner there. And it's one of the most mesmerizing, uh, captivating images of the Scourge Jesus because you can't look upon it without remembering the deep sacrifice and the, and the pain and suffering our Lord uh, suffered for your soul. Um, Jesus, where did you get this statue? It's a statue from New York. Uh, I, I had it. Uh, it just came in into like a dream. I wanted this statue. I did a lot of things to to be able to obtain it by miracle. Uh, it all happened through a painting that it was an image that came to my mind. A beautiful painting, a bright painting, and then I found this painting at a secondhand used store, and I mm. and I pointed to it. and I said, "That's the painting. That's the painting that I saw on the uh, on the on my mind. Wow. That's the one that's going to help me get my skirt statue." And I took it out, and as soon as I walked out of that place, somebody offered two thousand dollars for that for that <laughs> amazing painting, and that's what I, that's what I used to uh, to get uh, to, to get the skirt cry statue. That is amazing. Wow. wow, that's incredible. Praise oh be to goodness. Jesus. It is such an honor to have the ability to uh, to have the Scorch Jesus in our studio and to share him with the world. And it's such a grace. And thank you for that. And, and there's another one coming. It's going to be the, a big statue of the, of, of the Sacred Heart. So it's going to be right there, you know, maybe behind Emily or, or oh, behind God. Joe, uh, <laughs> of Mr. Fonseca. Yeah, praise God. Uh, yeah, Adrian could use all the help he can get. So yeah, we'll, my background's we'll, we'll not great. That. Uh, no one wants to look at me either. <laughs> by by God's grace. I just wanted to comment on, 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 on your game show. I love the game show, Joe. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. From On the first day when you guys were announcing the game thing, I was not too much of a fan, uh, not knowing what was going to happen. No, I mean, I really didn't know what was going to happen on a game show. Yeah. But, but, but when I saw the chemistry between you guys, it was just beautiful it was awesome and, and it became more of a of a learning experience and i also love that it's not the prize itself that that everything's focused around is actually mm. uh just just the participation and and just people calling in and having fun and i listen to all these facts and i'm just fascinated by some of the things i don't know and it, it and some of the things that i do know you just clarify it uh amen so i think it's an awesome idea of evangelization it takes less than 10 minutes and you're actually going in and out and it's a very uh very fluid. It's it's quick. All right. I don't think he likes it, Joe. Out, so. I think he loves it. Well, <laughs> praise be to Jesus. We're out of time. Jesus Robles, God love you. Thank God bless you. you. For Thank you for being on our show today. Thank you. You got you, you be blessed. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Armando on Facebook said he, uh, he he thinks the game show is great. He would also like to see a little bit of apologetic segment on the show as well. That could be good. Uh, my wife has also asked for that. So, Armando, thanks for your feedback. And God bless you and everyone listening to Catholic Drive Time. We're so grateful to be a part of the program. I think Bishop Strickland may be on. Uh, is it tomorrow? But he's coming up on the program as well as my buddy Mark Houck. And uh, so much more coming this week from Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm Joe McLean. On behalf of Emily Alcarez and Adrian Fonseca and the team, God love you. God bless you. Thanks for being with us every morning. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and share the videos on YouTube. It's so important to overcome that algorithm. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 7, right here Thank Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.